With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys had a great and safe Memorial Day weekend. I am back from vacation as well. And right before I left for vacation, SMU reeled in Corey Robertson. The defensive line transfer from Oklahoma that had been committed to Arizona State then took an an official visit to TCU right before he ended up committing to the Mustangs. SMU hosted him earlier in May, the first weekend, for an official visit, and things went really well. He ends up getting a spot at Arizona State locked down as he awaited his acceptance into SMU just to kind of be on the safe side. He ends up graduating. He takes his TCU official visit, but it wasn't enough to beat out Calvin Thibodeau, who was his defensive line coach in Norman. They reunite. SMU gets a big piece to the middle of its defense, uh, really finishing out this transfer class for SMU with an exclamation point. Um, beating out the Frogs, who had hosted him for an official visit. He was a silent commitment going into that visit to TCU. Wanted to go ahead and take a free trip anyway, but ends up committing and signing with SMU, and he'll be on campus this summer. Now, we'll get into his impact later on in the podcast, but what I want to do now with this transfer class complete is grade it position by position. So buckle in. Tons of commitments and transfers uh, that are headed to SMU uh, this summer, and many of which who have already jumped on board and uh, went through spring ball and all of that. So let's dive on in. We're going to go position by position. Kind of my thoughts on this is, look, you had some of these these, uh, programs that, um, you know, got guys into the portal and Look, SMU needed to address some spots, and there was plenty to work with in the transfer portal. So a lot of this for me, as far as how I graded it, was positional need and also just kind of how it ended up um, working out from a quality perspective, too. So trying to balance that, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. And and look, we're going to have discussion. That's why we have the On the Pony Express message board. But SMU did end up with one of the top transfer classes in the entire country. So you're going to be seeing uh, a lot of high marks for SMU as they um, really did a nice job here um, addressing needs. uh, And they were able to really um, bring in more talent to compete. Some guys who will be starters. And so all of that kind of factors into my grades for this class, but a lot of high marks for the Mustangs as they um, are going to bring in uh, 20 five transfers on scholarship by the time it's all said and done uh, this summer. And uh, that goes along with their 16 additions in the 2023 signing class. So let's dive on in here. The first one, Alex Padilla, the Iowa transfer at quarterback. 
um, who committed to SMU and and wanted to find a place that he could really, you know, I think one kind of sit and learn. Uh, he's been pretty much a backup his entire career. He's gotten some burn as a starter uh, there for the Hawkeyes uh, over the course of his career, uh, but really is a guy that you expect to back up Preston Stone and be kind of a veteran voice in that um, locker room and and just that meeting room uh, for Johnny Brewer. So he comes to SMU with two seasons of college eligibility remaining. Um, he appeared in two games this season, completing 21 to 43 passes for 173 yards and a touchdown. Uh, a lot of that came against Nebraska. Uh, 16 of 33 for 141 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Um, he played in nine games with three starts in 2021, uh, threw for 636 yards, two TDs and two picks. Um, and in 2020, played in two games after he redshirted in 2019. Uh, so you're looking at a guy who is going to come in and just provide uh, a veteran arm for this quarterback room. Uh, Preston Stone is going to be the starter. Then you've got Kevin Henry Jennings, who played a good bit of football as a true freshman last season. And then you bring in Keldrick Luster uh, as well um, this next, uh, or I should say this summer. And so he's a piece to the future of this quarterback room. So you've got four on scholarship for the Mustangs now uh, going into the 2023 season. And, and this was a safe bet. This wasn't a situation where SMU was you know, looking for a guy to come in and overtake Preston Stone and chase him off or do the same to Kevin Henry Jennings. And so Alex Padilla is perfect. Now, he is a guy that, you know, watching spring, and this is on some of these, you get the benefit of having seen them work out on the hilltop, get their feet wet um, with the Mustangs. And so I, I'm going to give this one a B. You know, this is not one where you're grading it as if he is somebody that you want to come in and start. Um, if that was the case, it'd be a lower grade. There's no doubt about it. If SMU needed a guy to come in and be the guy right away. Um, but for those reasons, I'm going to go with a B here. Very safe. Uh, pick up in Alex Padilla for that quarterback room. Um, and so he comes in and, and and went through spring ball. And and he just looks like a guy that is going to be just serviceable. If, if SMU needs him, if they want to go to him in a blowout rather than maybe go to Kevin Henry Jennings, if, if their plan potentially is to redshirt Kevin, I don't know. Um, but all those things are now options on the table because you have somebody who's a veteran um, who is a true backup kind of quarterback. So he's got to learn the offense. It's very different than what uh, Iowa rolled out there. But um, I give the addition of uh, Alex Padilla to that uh, quarterback room a B grade. We get into the running backs now, and this is where SMU really, I feel like, knocked it out of the park with, with Keenan Hall bringing in a pair of former, you know, really highly touted guys um, in LJ Johnson and Jalen Knighton. And I'm going to tell you guys straight up, I, I think they – they get an A on this one. Um, when you look at the running back room, you have Tyler Levine, who's going to uh, be back for his final season of college football. He is a physical runner. We know what he brings to the table when he's when he's healthy. Um, he is expected to be healthy. And when that's the case, he'll factor in. You also have Velton Gardner coming back for another season, and, and he had a really nice spring. Kamar Wheaton, a lot of question marks around him. Just off the spring, you know, he was suspended for some of it. He was kind of nicked up. He didn't really do much in the spring game. Um, so you have Jalen Knighton and LJ Johnson, uh, two really impressive, uh, you know, guys who are very different in terms of the stages of, of their career. 
Um, LJ Johnson was in that signing class with Kamar Wheaton uh, and and went to Texas A&M. He was a former four-star prospect. He was uh, right there at the top of the running back rankings overall. He uh, played in, uh, he, he carried the ball 10 times for 39 yards and two touchdowns in six games in 2022. In 2021, he had 21 carries for 76 yards in four games. As he redshirted, he uh, now has uh, three three seasons of eligibility remaining. Now that he is at SMU, he was really, really, really productive uh, dating back to his high school days, uh, coming out of uh, the Houston area at Cy Fair High School. Um, and, and you get a Thunder type of style running back um, to pair with a guy like Jalen Knighton, who is going to be that explosive type of player uh, that SMU really, and I talked about it during uh, last season, they missed a player like um, a, a Ulysses Bentley. They missed that explosiveness. They missed that ability to maybe catch the ball out of the backfield and do some different things. And when Jalen Knighton was at Miami, he had some of his best stuff when Rhett Lashley and co were, were calling the plays. He kind of had a uh, smaller role um, in 2022, uh, but had uh, 209 yards, a touchdown, 52 carries. Um, and uh, uh, in sorry, in 2021, he rushed for 561 yards and eight touchdowns on 145 carries. This is a guy that has added nearly 500 yards through the air receiving as well throughout his career. And if you watched him in spring ball, if you had the chance to get out there, see the Mustangs get after it, that's going to be a difference when it comes to SMU's offense this season is Jalen Knighton being able to be used in the screen game or be a true check down uh, guy on a swing pass that can pick up yards, make a little something out of nothing. Uh, he's that lightning type of player. And I'll, I'll say this about Jalen Knighton. He's really tough. Um, there were some runs that with his stature, uh, you might not think he would have finish and and fall forward and pick up those extra yards, but he is not afraid of contact. Um, I, I think as long as he holds on to the ball, that was kind of one of those things at Miami that was maybe the bugaboo for him is at times he, he had some fumble issues. But if he holds on to the ball for SMU, he's going to have a chance to be a true all AAC performer. That is the expectation for him. He does have two years of eligibility remaining, uh, but when you look at what he could bring to the table this year, maybe uh, if he has the type of season SMU is hoping he does, he could be a one-year guy. And, and that's kind of the reality. It's a good problem to have if he obviously puts that together. Uh, but I think he's going to have a really impressive season and become a fan favorite quickly. Um, like I mentioned, SMU's not had that explosiveness since Ulysses Bentley left. They needed some guy with somebody with wheels. They got that in Jalen Knighton. And he came in and he really had a nice spring and, and stayed healthy. Both him and LJ Johnson were healthy throughout the spring. So I give this one an A for Keenan Hall, kind of a no brainer on that respect um, when it comes to uh, what they were able to put together in the transfer portal at running back. The same could be said for wide receiver. I'm giving them an A and I'm going to lead off uh, with Keyshawn Smith, who comes over from Miami and, and really I think with Keyshawn, and I kind of went back and forth on maybe A, A minus uh, with this group overall because they added Jordan Hudson, who we'll get to. They added Romello Brinson. They added Keyshawn Smith. But you 
also saw Keyshawn Smith maybe not take as much, I guess, he kind of, he, he didn't really like seize it like you you maybe thought he would, but he was adjusting to new settings. We'll kind of see what happens when the fall rolls around. He has that playmaking ability. He is smooth. He's got the athleticism and he is really competitive. Where he probably needs to get to it is on the jugs machine. I, I felt like at times he could have had some relatively easy uh, receptions, didn't lock in and, and focus and, you know, drop, dropped a couple passes. So um, Keyshawn Smith is somebody that now when you have Jordan Hudson coming into the mix, he could be maybe overtaken, maybe overtaken by Moochie Dixon. Um, but last year he had 13 catches for 199 yards and two touchdowns. He's also a, a bit of a game breaker in the return game, which I think is very important for SMU. They've had guys like Jordan Curley do that. Uh, Jake Bailey can do that. They signed Jackson Lavender, who I think can do that. Um, but adding another piece to the return game will be really nice for SMU. I, I think, you know, he's somebody that can that can do that. Um, took a, a kickoff against Bethune-Cookman back 72 yards. Um, and, and I think with three years of eligibility remaining, you're looking at a guy who has a chance to develop under Rob Likens and get back on that trajectory that he was at maybe earlier in his career um, and and he just really uh, has a lot of the pieces to the puzzle to be a great receiver. He's just got to bring that out a little bit more now that he's gone through spring. He's maybe adjusted to his new surroundings here in Dallas, um, but he has all the talent in the world. I'm going to go to Jordan Hudson next because uh, he is, you know, an outside receiver. Who I feel like is going to challenge right away for a starting job now that he's on board. He played in 14 games with the Frogs in 2022, his true freshman season. Caught 14 passes for 174 yards and three scores. He'll have four years to play three seasons. But the expectation is for Jordan Hudson, the former five-star on on three, to step right into that lineup and play a ton this season. And there are there are a lot of people that are talking about what he can bring to the table now he's now that he's on board. You talk about guys that have not displayed issues catching the football. That's Jordan Hudson. He's very competitive going up for the ball. Uh, he's not necessarily a burner like we've seen at, at times in the past, like a Reggie Robertson or a Danny Gray. He is smooth, um, runs really nice, crisp routes. And he was one of the most productive receivers in the country coming out of Garland High School. And that's why we named him a five-star on three is he just was that dominant. And now that he has Rob Likens, who has coached up Rasheed Rice, who talked him up in a big way, very complimentary of what Rob Likens did for him this past season, you know, Blitnikoff Award semifinalists and all of those things. Jordan Hudson has that opportunity at SMU. He has that opportunity, opportunity to be the next great wide receiver. I think he could start this season and really put it together um, if he comes in and does the things that they're going to ask him to. And and I don't think there's any reason to think otherwise that he won't. I, I think he's motivated. We saw what happened when he left TCU and he clearly wasn't comfortable there the last few months. This is a guy that is going to have a big chip on his shoulder because of all the things said about him. You know, he's uh, was, oh, he wasn't running, you know, that that high in the depth chart. Look, that is that is spin. You know, I've read some of the practice reports. He was right there in the mix 
uh, to be a starter and a key contributor for TCU. And he was a guy that coming out of high school, you you want to keep. Like there, we've talked about Jordan Hudson in the past past podcast about when you have a five star, you don't want to see him leave. Period. End of story. Unless he's a complete cancer, doing bad things off the field. Um, so the spin coming out of Fort Worth on Jordan Hudson is is quite funny to me because when you go back and you look at what he did as a high school prospect and you look at the role he had on a team that went to the national championship game with those receivers that they also had running around out there, he's got a really bright future. And now it's going to be at SMU. I, I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't put together one of the better careers we've seen from SMU receivers as of late. So he's now factoring into that outside receiver spot. And Moochie Dixon and Keyshawn Smith, they're all going to battle for that time opposite of Jordan Curley, who had a terrific spring. So um, you have those two really probably the guys that are expected to, you know, start one or the other and and play a ton. Romello Brinson is a guy that came on really strong at the end of spring and has that bouncy athleticism that people covet at the wide receiver position. And with Romello, it, look, he's he's pretty thin, but he is also uh, incredibly athletic for you know a guy that when you look at his legs, you're like, man, how can he get up and and get some of the balls that he does? But he is a highlight reel machine. And the last two weeks of spring practice, I felt like were his best, and it was very clear things were starting to click for him. Um, I, I didn't really observe too many issues catching the football. He's not necessarily a guy that's a straight line sprinter type. He's a straight line kind of jump ball, go get it type. And that is pretty key in this offense. And the way we saw SMU use Rasheed Rice and you know throw some of those tags on there to draw a pass interference penalty, that could be what Romello Brinson could bring to the table. He's got some developing to do. He's got to continue to refine his route tree. Um, but he caught 14 passes for 189 yards and a touchdown over two seasons with the Hurricanes. He isn't really necessarily as proven as the other guys at that wide receiver position. So um, with those three that they added, I, I think you get an A. And, you know, I didn't really think twice about, all right, maybe they got, it, got an A- minus because Keetron Jackson went elsewhere. That was somebody who SMU was on. That was another factor kind of degrading uh, the, this class is did you, did you miss, did you hit on who you were going after? And, and for the most part, SMU obviously hit on wide receiver. But I think Jordan Hudson's future is so bright that there's no way I could have dropped them down to an A- minus just for missing on Keetron Jackson because in the end, it works out. You add Keyshawn Smith, who's a veteran, and instead of you know maybe adding another veteran Keytron's had a couple years, you add Jordan Hudson, who is the clear cut. I mean, if, you, if you're talking long, long-term future at SMU for wide receivers – I mean, Keith, uh, Jordan Hudson and Jamarian Carroll at the, at, uh, you know, starting opposite of each other is going to be pretty special um, for really what would be kind of the maybe the back two, two years of Jordan Hudson um, when those two kind of get together. I, I just think it's going to be really special to see uh, the talent in this room that is now solidified for the next three plus seasons. Um, and Jordan Hudson was such a big part of that. When it comes to the tight end position, this is one that is a little tough, a little tough overall. Um, and it was hard to grade in the sense that we know that RJ Maryland is coming back and 
he is a star. He is a budding star in college football at the tight end position with all the things he can do receiving. So you didn't need to go out and get a, a true pass catcher. You have that. And you have three freshmen that are coming in, two of which that are kind of similar in that role with Lonnie Johnson and Adam Moore. What you needed was somebody to come in and really be able to move the pile from a run blocking sense and a bigger body so that you can play some two tight end set. They have Cam Allen, they have Nolan Matthews Harris, but both haven't proven enough. Um, really, Nolan has has a little bit more on his resume, for sure, and a bigger body in general and had a nice spring, but you don't have a proven guy. And Micah Hiltz uh, comes to SMU with one year of eligibility remaining. This is it. From Texas State, uh, who picked up Bo Corrales and Simon Gonzalez. So kind of a little two-for-one trade there in a sense. But Micah Hiltz is a 6'5", 255-pound tight end. And he's had an interesting career overall um, there in uh, at Texas State. He's gone through a couple different coaches. He started to come on pretty strong um, as a true freshman and into his sophomore year. Uh, but eventually he kind of fell off a little bit as far as playing time. Um, but is really tough. Played through a UCL tear um, throughout his entire true freshman season. And then he he missed his entire 2020 campaign when he tore his pec in the first week of fall camp. Couldn't play through that. Um, but he played in 2021 in 11 games, caught three balls for 13 yards. And then in 2022, played in six games with one reception for 12 yards. But when you look at him, he is the big body that SMU really needed to add. Okay, you, you've got an opportunity now to put him out there as an inline tight end. And you can, I think, from a veteran perspective, rely on him if you need to get him the ball at times. But his role is going to be blocking. And I think with Micah Hiltz, he is not flashy. I think it was SMU in North Texas, and that was it, that were really after him. But you, you, you don't get much else, at least on paper. And watching the film, he's a big body. He can move the pile. But you, you, you also got to Micah Hiltz because a guy like Kilo Brantley, you know, he ends up kind of having to go elsewhere because, look, he's not as big, but he also, you know, wasn't necessarily there to get into SMU. And then also they missed on Jake Roberts, the North Texas tight end transfer. Um, and, and that was kind of a guy that you really could have relied on both on both sides of it. So I give SMU a C plus here. It was a need. I think we knew when we did all this at the beginning, kind of previewed the transfer portal, that that the tight end position was so key in finding somebody that can block. And they might very well have gotten that, Micah Hilt, so maybe he outperforms his grade. But at the end of the day, he's somebody that hasn't really done much the last two years and is a big body, and he's gone after this year. So that's kind of the reasoning why he, he ends up you know, being a C plus addition, it was a, it was a big, big need. They end up with Micah Hiltz, but um, we'll see. Maybe he, you know, outperforms uh, that, that grade that I handed out there, but uh, he's going to be a guy. I think he's going to play a lot, which, you know, if he produces in the run blocking sense, again, you're kind of grading him in that respect. But right now, just, I, I feel like C plus is very fair with Micah Hiltz and kind of what he's done as of late. Um, but a really good dude, if you actually go, go back and look at his, uh, Texas State bio um, and go back and 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 look at some of the stories uh, about him. He's he's very involved in the community. He's 
Um, I think he's overcome, he's overcome a lot um, from what I read, just obviously injuries, but also I think a couple other things. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing with this transfer portal is they didn't want to rock the boat with anyone in a sense. Like they didn't want to bring in guys that were going to be, you know, ruin a room because of maybe their attitude or the past or take a chance. They feel really good about where this roster stands. So for them to bring in Micah Hiltz, uh, it says a lot about what they think about him and his future. The offensive line, SMU bringing in uh, five new offensive linemen from the transfer portal to go with three 2023 signees. And we lead off with SMU starting right tackle in uh, the 2023 season. That's going to be higher and white, a big dude, uh, well over 300 pounds. I know he's listed 292 right there on his profile. I'll have to update that, but 6'7", probably about 320, 330. Um, and now SMU has two bookend tackles. They've got Marcus Bryan, who's coming off a really solid season in 2022. Um, they have Hyron White, who's entering his final season of eligibility. And after missing all of 2022 with an Achilles, he looked great um, for SMU in the spring. Uh, he's very motivated. He's a new dad as well. Um, and a DeSoto, Texas native who's coming in and going to try to piece it all together for the NFL scouts. I, I think when you look at guys that come in with a lot of buzz. You're going to talk about your Jalen Knightons and your LJ Johnson, Jordan Hudson, and, um, you know, Jonathan McGill and Jordan Miller and some of these other bigger name uh, transfer additions. But Hyron White comes in after missing all of 2022, and he was really impressive at right tackle for SMU. And um, th then you got uh, the, the piece of the future, uh, P.J. Williams, a former top 100 prospect coming out of high school. He spent one season at Texas A&M. And look, I, I think with PJ, he's somebody that could play uh, all four spots on the offensive line or four spots on the offensive line, maybe outside of center. But if Hyron White does what we expect him to, he'll man the spot uh, at right tackle for the 2023 season. And then, could be P.J. Williams' job. And if Marcus Bryant does opt to leave after this season, maybe P.J. Williams kicks out uh, to the left tackle spot. So he has plenty of athleticism. And I, I felt like watching him in spring, there were times when it clicked and times when maybe uh, he's still progressing, still learning. He was kind of a late bloomer. I, I want to say he was like 250 pounds going his, into his senior year. Uh, if you look at some of the Under Armour All-American pictures from him, at Texas, uh, before Texas A&M, he was on the smaller side of guys that were going uh, off to the next level in, in that group. But super athletic, um, obviously ran into some trouble uh, in Texas A&M, got that taken care of off the field, uh, a couple legal things, but uh, is a really, really nice kid. Um, everybody I've talked to that's been around him has said that he's looking forward to this fresh start and it'll be a good opportunity for him to really learn, develop this season, maybe get some time, maybe be the sixth offensive lineman if they do decide, hey, you know, let's let's roll some some you know size out there. Let's get a sixth offensive lineman on the field at times. Maybe it's PJ Williams. He's got that athleticism. Uh, he was on one of the better basketball teams in the state of Texas coming up. Uh, so I'm really high on PJ Williams' future, and equally as high on uh, Jakai Clark. Uh, he comes over. To SMU from Miami with over 40 starts under his belt. The big thing about Ja'Kai Clark is he can play guard or center. And he's probably 6'2 and a half, 320 or so. 
And he's played both spots, center and guard, for Garen Justice. Um, he played as a true freshman. He's a veteran. And if he comes in and is ready to work and put it together, he's going to find a starting spot on this offensive line somewhere. Uh, Branson Hickman returns at center. They've got Justin Osborne, who they're hoping is going to be healthy enough to play this season and, and be back and ready to go and kind of work him in. You also have guys like Ben Sparks and um, Cam Irving, who's played some guard as well. Um, and, and now you have Ja'Kai Clark as a pretty versatile guy along the interior of the offensive line who knows the system, um, really enjoys playing for Garen Justice. So if he puts it all together once he's here, he's going to find a starting spot. And that's going to be key for SMU. And, and with this transfer class and with the guys they brought in in 2023, you have a group that is pretty close to too deep of guys who have who you know you feel good about, like a bookend tackles. Um, when Justin Osborne's healthy, you feel good about him. They do feel good about Branson Hickman, who Garen Justice said had the best spring out of the offensive line. Now it's a matter of who does start. And the backups, whoever they are, are going to be pretty experienced for the most part. Maybe a spot here or there where there's not much experience or talent. And maybe the talent outweighs the lack of experience in a case like a P.J. Williams. But with Ja'Kai Clark, you look at a guy that has 40-plus starts in his career. And that is something that SBI hasn't necessarily been able to have along the middle in a way. You know, Jalen Thomas has played a little bit all over. But as far as like a true guy in the middle that has really held it down, I mean, Hayden Howerton. But Hayden had his own, you know, up and downs here and there. But Ja'Kai Clark to play in the ACC for 40-plus games and start, that's impressive. I think he's going to be a key to the future of uh, how SMU does in 2023. Logan Parr comes to SMU from Texas, um, a guy who is going to be an interior guy, center guard. He snapped at times in his career, um, relatively limited experience in a sense. Um, playing at Texas wasn't a guy that started any games, I don't believe, um, but he has played um, in 16 total games, um, played in 12 games in 2022, a lot of which came uh, you know, on special teams and in backup duty for the most part. He'll have three years of eligibility remaining. Um, he was a, a 2020 prospect, so the 2020 year um, obviously didn't count for him. And then uh, 2021, he redshirted um, at Texas, and then now uh, he'll get into um, his um, you know back half of his career in a sense. Actually, he has he has um, you know he has uh, yep he has uh, three years of eligibility remaining. Sorry, I thought I had it wrong for a second, but yeah. Logan Parr is going to be a guy that is going to factor in along the interior now for SMU. At the very least, he's somebody who, again, if somebody goes down with an injury, boom, you can plug him in. I mean, you look at what Karen Irving has done. Logan Parr has played in the Big 12, had some backup experience. That's kind of where – that's kind of the role I see him in this upcoming season, especially when you factor in if a Ja'Kai Clark is playing, you have Branson Hickman. If Justin Osborne's playing, it's going to be hard for him to start. But um, when you do see some of these other guys move on, uh, he could very well find himself in a role where he's playing um, a decent amount. And the same goes for uh, the last and final piece of this offensive line 
uh, class for Garen Justice, and that's Caleb Johnson, a former four-star prospect out of the state of Florida who ended up going to Notre Dame, and he didn't really play much, uh, or he didn't play much at all in 2021, made his debut uh, in 2022 against USC. He's got good genes. His dad uh, played eight seasons with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Aaron Johnson, and he'll have three years of eligibility remaining as well. He's somebody that probably fits the mold a little bit more of a tackle, but could play along the interior as well. And as far as the future of the position goes, you've got him and you've got P.J. Williams, who could very well be the tackles. If you look at you know the long-term outlook at tackle, you have Marcus Bryant for another season as long as he doesn't leave early. Um, they've kicked Thalen Robinson in at times. They've kicked Dal- Dalton Perdue in at times. Um, and Caleb Johnson, as far as his frame from the transfer group and some of the guys who maybe are a little bit more veteran, he probably fits the tackle mold a little bit more. I'm interested to see where Garen Justice plays him, but I would imagine they try to get him kind of all over. So all that being said on the offensive line, I think A- minus is where you're at with this one. Um, Drake Metcalf was a guy that they really probably could have used. He ends up going to UCF, um, a Stanford transfer who played a ton. Uh, but uh, the group that they added, especially when it comes to 2023, is going to be key. You're, you're looking at probably two likely starters and two of your better offensive linemen coming out of that group. So long-term, maybe, maybe not as, well, I take that back. I mean, PJ Williams is about as high end as it gets from a, from a long-term ad transfer portal wise. So what am I saying? But a minus, I think with that group between the depth and the, and the instant starters and the long-term play with PJ Williams, you're looking at a really nice group. Um, that Garen Justice put together. So I give uh, them an A- minus for that group. When you get into the defensive line, this is where it's fun. Jordan Jordan Miller is the guy who's going to be uh, the anchor of that defense um, and a true nose that, as we saw in spring, allowed SMU to move Elijah Chapman over to the offensive side of the ball a little bit. It allows Elijah Chapman to maybe move a little bit up and down the line a little bit more. And he is a really just a big dude who does a good job commanding double teams. And at times he you know, made his presence felt. I mean, he can really push offensive linemen back um, and get it and get that pocket collapsed um, and, and make it difficult on, on the quarterback to be comfortable. And that was something that Rhett Lashley showed when it came to Jordan Miller's film at National Signing Day. He's played a bunch of football. Uh, he has one year of eligibility remaining, so he'll be gone after this season. I, I think he said he had two, but I, I don't think he has two. I think he has one, um, barring some random rule. But uh, he now really solidifies that interior of the defensive line from a starting perspective. They were able to move uh, Devere Levelston out the defensive tackle and defensive end a little bit. Elijah Roberts, who we'll talk about in a second, he was able to play defensive end. And and obviously they added Cam Robertson too. So they have a really high upside with this defensive line. And I think the reason why is because they got Jordan Miller. So I'm going to give the defensive line hall an A. Um, I I think this is a group that as we dive into it, you'll kind of see why. Um, And the next player I want to touch on is Corey Robertson who comes over from Oklahoma and he's about six, 
three, six, four, two eighty-five is what he was listed at at OU. And he didn't play in 2022. Uh, Brent Venables and his staff took over. Um, and it's kind of weird that he just, you know, was pushed aside. I think he did an interview elsewhere that said he was, you know, just kind of pushed aside, uh, for lack of a better word, um, and was, you know, unable to really get an opportunity um, to to play um, in that defense for Brent Venables this past year. But under Calvin Thibodeau, he was trending up. You know, he's a guy that came in in the 2019 class. He redshirted but played in four games in 2020. He played in 10 games with four starts, 11 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, a sack, and a PBU. And then in 2021, played in 12 games, 17 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and a half sack. That was the final season um, for uh, Calvin Thibodeau at OU. And Corey Roberson's uh, journey, obviously, to SMU is interesting, of course, um, with the commitment to Arizona State. But as far as what SMU got there, that is what's important. Um, Because you look at this defensive line, and we know the guys like Debeer Levelston, Elijah Chapman, Jordan Miller, as far as the bigger guys. But Stephon Wright was injured a lot of last year, and you just can't count on him yet. But when he's out there, he's very good. But Corey Roberson, Calvin Thibodeau knows what he gets from him as far as a character perspective, as far as a guy that can, you know, play at this level. And I think that's the key here. I see Corey Roberson as a backup defensive lineman who's playing a good bit of snaps. And, you know, the reason why is because you have Mike Sanjo and Jiki. And he is kind of a squatty defensive tackle who could play some snaps, but he's not necessarily the most athletic guy. Um, he's kind of more of a hold the, just, you know, hold the spot of attack, um, but isn't going to make a difference. Corey Roberson at least has some length. I remember him coming out of Manville High School, uh, and that was something that really stood out. And then that allows guys like Kevin Allen, Day-Day Wimberly, and Braden Flowers, your younger defensive lineman, to kind of develop. And, David Abiara is, is a bigger body who probably is a little bit he's, – he's right in between defensive tackle. He's probably defensive tackle, defensive end for this scheme. Um, and, and he's somebody that kind of came on in the spring, but you want to see more out of. So Corey Roberson's addition is, is, is big in that sense. Now, he went through spring ball with Oklahoma. It's not like he's been sitting around doing nothing. Um, and to get that film, Calvin Thibodeau – was ready to go. And he said, you know what? Got to address the position with one more body. We talked about that um, being a key spot for them along the interior of the defensive line. And now you feel better about your interior of that defensive line. The starting group, you feel great about. You really do. If it all comes together, everybody puts in their work and, you know, comes you know, prepared and is motivated. And I think they are. But when you went to the next group, what was that like? And I think Corey Roberson is that final piece to make you feel better about it overall. A guy that when we did the National Signing Day uh, recap with the coaching staff, Kyle Cooper said Elijah Roberts is going to have a chip on his shoulder. And sure enough, I think he had that in spring. He really put it together. He was somebody that was so athletic um, in spring ball that SMU decided to go ahead and move him out to that defensive end spot. Now, he's not playing the bandit. Um, he's not playing uh, that that pass-rushing type role, 
But because of his athleticism, he was able to show he's playing a little bit more on the edge in a sense. He played in 14 games over his career in Miami, 21 tackles, half sack, and a forced fumble. Um, and we'll have, uh, I want to say, uh, he'll have uh, two years of eligibility remaining. He is going to be, I think, one of the underrated guys on this defense. He just has that size and athleticism. And you could tell he played in five games as a true freshman, then nine games in 2021. Um, and then uh, 2022, played in a few as well. But now he's in a role where he gets to have a little bit more fun. And I think that's underrated. I think that's why he took uh, a big step this spring. I think he was one of the surprises, um, quite frankly. So this is maybe one of those positions where you get to uh, look back a little bit and say, you know what, this is this is a better pickup than anticipated. Because when you look at the pickup on paper, he's, he's, he's almost the defensive line version of Romelo Brinson. You know, has athleticism. Probably one of the prettiest looking defensive players, especially on the defensive line that SMU has, but he hadn't necessarily really expanded into being uh, a dominant player at Miami or a guy that was on the verge of really starting to, you know, turn the corner. Um, he played in eight games in 2022, so he did tick up as far as games go over the course of his career at Miami, but now he gets an opportunity to play a little bit more on the edge. He's got length to set the edge. Um, I, I think it's really exciting to see him and a guy like Devere Levelston kind of battle it out, um, or, you know, he'll battle it out with David Abiara, guys like that. Because if you look at the, kind of look at the middle of the defense, it's Jordan Miller, maybe Elijah Chapman next to him as a defense tackle, and then Devere Levelston, a defensive end. But, oh, by the way, you could go Jordan Miller, Devere Levelston, Elijah Roberts, and then have your bandit it's there's options and that's I think so key with what Scott Simons wants to do as a defensive coordinator and what Calvin Thibodeau wants as far as defensive line rotation so for him to come in and have the spring that he did I think that elevated this this group's rating overall when I looked at them and and you know kind of trying to figure out where they you know stood overall and, and I think they there were guys they offered um, at this position as well but I never got the sense that they had made traction here or there or pressed or things like that. Um, they had a, Robbie Harrison was a big nose tackle from Arizona State. They offered. He ends up going up north to play. Um, Judah Colo, they never really pressed for. I got the feeling. And uh, it's just uh, when you cap it with a long-term addition like Cam Robertson from one of your conference mates, um, that is uh, – what I think pushes it to an A. He was an all freshman, all uh, CUSA performer. Uh, he played in uh, 12 and 14 games last year, um, 6'4, 238, had 15 tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. And when we dove into kind of what he was bringing to the table as a transfer, Matt Zenitz, our national college football reporter, asked multiple Power Five uh, personnel directors and general managers what they thought of him. And here's a couple quotes, and we read it um, when uh, he committed, but uh, quote, I think once he adds that strength and once he improves on some elements of his game, he's going to take off. I think he'll contribute next se next year, the 2023 season. How much I think is the big question, but I think when you're really going to see him take off is probably 
second year at his new spot. And that is pretty much on the money when you look at what SMU is coming back. If Cam Robertson does end up playing that bandit role, you have Nelson Paul coming back, who's a pass rusher. You have uh, Isaiah Smith, who's promising as a true freshman. Uh, he needs to continue to add weight. He's true, more of a true, true pass rusher. Uh, Cam's got a little bit of size to him. You have Jaden Jones, who's going to come back. He sat out the spring. Jalen Samuels is expected back. And now you add Cam Robertson. When you're looking at adding size to your front, you've got that. You also have somebody who's comfortable playing out on the edge at that bandit role. If he keeps getting bigger, does he end up playing like a strong side defensive end? I don't know. I've, I've kind of floated that here and there uh, as we've talked about Cam's future. But his future is very bright. Um, he's a guy from Plano who really just outperformed, obviously, what a lot of people thought he would do as a true freshman. And he ended up having numerous offers um, over the course of the months, uh, or I guess the, the the weeks that he was in the transfer portal. He took an official visit to Colorado. He had a lot of suitors, um, you know, after him. And, and so I think he's kind of that final piece. He wasn't the final piece, but he was the exclamation point as to why I feel like this group overall deserved an A. You just, you get a guy like that, you have him in for an unofficial visit. Then he goes to Colorado, you bring him in for an official visit and you close the deal. And there was really not much to it as far as, um, you know, bringing him in. And uh, honestly, Colorado didn't end up, you know, standing a chance compared to SMU. And, and we know what they've done in the transfer portal. So uh, got to give it to Calvin Thibodeau. He put together a great group on the defensive line. And uh, that is, uh, I, I think, this defense is revamped overall, but when you do what they did on the defensive line, that'll help the linebackers, that'll help the secondary. And look, um, the pieces are there now, and the depth is there. Now it's time to produce. You go to the linebacker position for SMU, and you got to start with a guy that Scott Simons knows very well, uh, coming over from Liberty um, in a mod in a mod Walker. And uh, he played two seasons for the Flames. He's going to have, uh, you know, three years to play two remaining. Um, but now you factor him in as your starting linebacker and the expectations are high. You know, he, he's a guy that played right away uh, for Scott Simons, who because of COVID didn't get to meet him until he came on campus uh, when he enrolled out of Warner Robins, one of the top programs in the state of Georgia, um, played 30, uh, Notched 37 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks as a true freshman, added 63 total tackles, 11 tackles for loss, four sacks, two pass breakups, and a pick in his second year. His teammate, Nick Jackson, did enter the portal. And that this is kind of why I went B plus here, although maybe it should have been an A minus, um, at least as far as who they brought in. Um, but Nick Jackson officially visited, or um, I don't know if he ended up even making it to campus. It's been a minute now, but. You know, the linebacker group, Scott Simons got his guy, and it was a mod walker. Nick Jackson was the higher-rated, more productive, more athletic, prettier-looking linebacker. But when a mod walker entered the portal, there was no question. SMU was going to be a player. And Scott Simons, Warren Messer, um, you know, they had a great relationship with him from his time uh, at Liberty, and that was a big piece of it. And they didn't blink. There were other linebackers out there across the country that were entering the portal. But Ahmad Walker was priority number one. And 
he visited, committed, the rest is history. He had, it, it's kind of hard to see in the spring, but my takeaway from the linebackers overall, and, and as we get into the summer, we'll kind of dive into these position groups a little bit more, but when it comes to linebacker group, it is a hard position to say, wow, they were really impressive in the spring because a lot of SMU spring was thud. And what you were kind of watching for is maybe, all right, how quick were they were, how quick, quick were they making their reads? Um, did they over-pursue? Did they make it difficult on themselves? And that's something where Ahmad Walker brought a very steady play to the table when it came to this spring and what uh, he was going to you know, put together. And I think that stood out to me. The expectations are very high for him, um, and, I, and I think they should be. He can run. Uh, he made some of his best plays against Liberty's Power 5 opponents. Uh, obviously, isn't afraid of contact overall. You saw the Arkansas game if you if you got a chance to watch that. Um, and I think he's got a chance to be an all-AAC guy. So it is kind of one of those things where you look at what they were able to do in the transfer portal with their two additions. It's solid. And they really feel good about Ahmad Walker. But Nick Jackson would have been just a another level here. Um, and they offered uh, someone else out of the transfer portal, uh, maybe a Juco kid. They ended up not not pressing for him. But they do end up going after Kobe Wilson, um, who coming off a couple productive seasons at um, Temple. And uh, now SMU kind of added that. I mean, honestly, the way the way he is size wise, he's kind of a, a clone in a sense to Ahmad Walker. He's about six foot two twenty. Um, he was a really, really productive player for Temple this season um, and tied uh, – he, he had 64 tackles, five-and-a-half tackles for loss, one-and-a-half sacks, um, ranked second in the conference conference with uh, two fumble recoveries, um, made two tackles for loss against Rutgers, um, and has played a good good part, good piece, uh, played a good bit on this Temple defense the last three seasons. He comes to SMU – with two years of eligibility remaining. Um, and again, will be one of those players that now factors in to the competition at the linebacker position. And we're not going to do a full breakdown and all that, but this linebacker room, if you're looking at the question mark on this defense, it is linebacker room. Maurice Crum comes in. He got to work with Ahmad Walker. He had to work with Chris Adamora who moved up from safety to linebacker. Alex Kilgore enrolled early. You've got Taquandis Burns, who's played a good bit of football now. He's got to take the next step. Cam Farrar's back. And then you add Brandon Maizona this summer. But you have Ahmad Walker, you feel like, is your starter. And you, there are high expectations there. And you had Kobe have Kobe Wilson, who's going to come in and factor in. But it's all got to come together. And there is that question mark of the position. So I am going to give it a B plus. It has the potential to, it, you had an argument for an A minus. I think if they would have gotten Nick Jackson, would have been an A, maybe A minus, but A most likely. Um, but they end up with Kobe Wilson and Ahmad Walker, two guys who've played a lot of football. And Ahmad Walker obviously has the trust of Scott Simons in a big way. Um, so we'll see how that position pans out. But I think they did a really nice job um, with two guys that they they certainly feel good about in terms of trusting their um, evaluations on it. We move into the secondary, which saw the biggest uh, makeover out of all of these position groups. 
And I got to say, it showed in the spring. And if you were able to be out there for the spring, and, and we'll, we'll start with the corners and then we'll kind of finish up with the secondary, with the safety group. Um, but Charles Woods has been kind of lauded as the, the shutdown corner SMU hasn't had in a while. And going into 2022 season, he ends up playing just four games, which is what is allowing him to play at SMU this final season. But he was preseason all Big 12. And he's got that ability. He's got that edge to him. Quite honestly, when he was healthy, he battled a concussion about back half of uh, spring ball here at SMU. But when you look at what he did as far as being able to control opposing receivers, it was really difficult for SMU quarterbacks to look his way, which I think sometimes is the best attribute you could bring to the table as a corner. Um, I think some of these guys, you still saw them go after them at times in spring, but with Charles Woods, you just didn't. I think somebody on the board kind of mentioned it that we hadn't really heard about Charles Woods this spring. And look, I mean, I think he missed about a week of, of, of practice with that concussion in the back half, but that was early. That was early in spring when it was asked. And yeah, he was just steady. He was really good. Um, he's played a lot of football over the course of his career. And he, if he puts it all together, uh, he is, he could be um, an all AAC guy and really change the way Scott Simons can call defenses. And the same goes for Chris Meganson, a guy who they know very well from Liberty. Ricky Hunley coached him. Um, he's going into his final season of eligibility. And uh, these two players really plug holes well. Obviously, SMU lost Sam, Sam Westfall, who just, I think the writing was on the wall. He's going to Virginia and finish out his career there. Um, but they upgraded this position, and it was a position that needed it. And I, I, I think that when you look at these two corners that they've added, they've got some size and length to them. They've got some physicality. Chris Meganson really laid the wood a few times in spring ball um, on, some, on some players. So... Um, he's played a ton of football over the course of his career. These two are your starters. You have Jahari Rogers, who's going to be back um, this fall. You've added some other pieces, but I don't think there's any doubt that these are your two starting corners. Um, and that is in itself off to a great start. And then you get into what SMU added for the future at the cornerback room. And Jalen Davis Robinson has plenty of speed. He had a couple breakups that were just we haven't seen we haven't seen that, and he didn't play too much at LSU. He ended up redshirting. He wanted to come back home. Does just that, but his ability to recover, and he's still kind of learning. He's he hasn't played. He isn't one of those guys that came out of Texas high school football and has played DB and and done it for six years and has worked with a trainer. He's still kind of relatively new, um, but he has that incredible hundred meter time, and he's going to be able to develop this year. He'll get on the field. But he also doesn't have to play a lot. They've got A.J. Davis. They had they have Kavaris Hall, who actually had a, a, a decent spring as well, entering his second season with the program. And like I mentioned, Jahari Rogers is coming back. But if you have Jalen Davis Robinson out there long-term at corner to pair him um, alongside whoever is there, you're looking at a bright future overall for this corner room. And I, I just think he made some plays this spring that – you look at, and they were wow plays. And so if he develops over the summer, maybe there's a chance that he gets into that kind of second spot to be first one off the bench. Um, but 
Uh, AJ Davis has also had a good sprint, also had a good spring. And so it, that's maybe a question mark, but he just made so many wow plays that I think his future is so bright at SMU. And Keyshawn Mills is the sleeper of this group. And he, he's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest sleeper out of all the transfer additions. Played at Little Elm High School, went to Colorado, had a Power 5 offer to, I think Liberty was one of his top schools. SMU uh, defensive coordinator Scott Simons and cornerbacks coach Ricky Hundley recruited him while they were at Liberty. And he didn't play at all at Colorado. Obviously, that was a complete train wreck. And look, you'd like to have seen him maybe get on the field and, and, and find some time on one of the worst teams in college football. But he is somebody that needs to develop. He is somebody that um, they're looking at from a long-term perspective. And they really like what you know he brings to the table and brought to the table as a senior coming out of Little Elm. He's very productive, um, is, is a guy that I think solidifies that plan to continue to, to address with Dallas area players as well. Um, and, and he's a really, really good kid from what I understand. That was one of the big reasons why, because you look at what they brought in. They brought in two starters in Chris Meganson and Charles Woods, and they bring in Jalen Davis Robinson. He comes from LSU and he was a former four star. You know, they're going to bring in Kyron Chambers, another former four star Dallas area, you know, state champion, went to TCU. So how's that going to go? Because like we said, they wanted to add another piece to the secondary, even as we knew Kyron Chambers was you know, going to end up coming in. Keyshawn Mills is a guy that just wants to kind of put his head down and work. And that was the big thing. So we'll, we'll kind of see. He hasn't played. He doesn't have much film, obviously, from college football. Um, but he was productive as a senior at Little Elm. He was pretty under the radar. But on three was actually highest on him out of uh, all the uh, services. But um, we'll kind of see how he puts it all together. We have, he was one that will arrive this summer, as will Kyron Chambers, who the former Dallas South Oak Cliff star on that state championship team is coming in this summer. And I put him in this spot because we're about to transition to the safety room. Well, I think Kyron Chambers can play corner or safety. He's got big size for a corner. He's also got prototypical size for a safety. And he's got the speed to play both. He's got the physicality. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with Kyron Chambers. Because when you look at this secondary, you've got Brandon Crosley and, and Jonathan McGill at the safety position that are entering their last season. Brian Massey has two more years. CJ Sanders, two more years. But Kyron Chambers comes in and he's going to have three seasons to go. And he played in five games for TCU this past season, made a, made a few tackles. Uh, I think he made a few tackles. Um, and will come into the mix and immediately add size and physicality to wherever he plays on the field. And I, I think he's just right now, between Ricky Hundley and Scott Simons, it's a good problem to have. Where do you fit Kyron Chambers in? And I think sometimes that versatility and especially the way they talk about it with the safety room is very important. Brandon Crosley had a great spring. Jonathan McGill, we know what SMU is getting in him. Um, and CJ Sanders, you know, certainly um, looks like a guy who, as he goes into the back half of his career, will play a lot of football for SMU at the nickelback spot. And CJ Sanders comes over with a lot of experience from Fresno State. And we saw him in the spring. And I, I think with C.J. Sanders, he didn't necessarily have a, a ton of flash to him um, as far as his play. 
but he did have physicality. I think he made some really tough tackles. He made some big hits. Um, so I am interested to see how he develops. And maybe it was Brandon Crosley standing out as much as he did this spring. But uh, that is a good problem to have at the nickel spot for SMU. And now with C.J. Sanders in the mix and potentially Kyron Chambers, along with Jonathan McGill coming over from Stanford and Ahmad Moses coming back and Isaiah Wachobia back and Brian Massey coming back, you now have that ability to move those safeties around and make them play as if they're interchangeable, which is so important to Scott Simons. When we were talking with Craig Niver all the way back when he was still at SMU, one of the big things was this defense wants those safeties to be interchangeable. Now they're going to have their roles. It's going to be a little, you know, more defined than how I'm making it out to seem, but that is the big piece for this defense in terms of disguising. You knew last year that Brandon Crosley was going to play nickel, that Brian Massey was your strong safety, that Nick Roberts was your free. They get Ahmad Moses in there for, for Brian Massey eventually. He's got some size to him in a sense. He's short, but he's thick. And this is where it's going to be interesting to see how this group performs overall because they can move all those guys around. So the secondary, you get an A. Um, there's no doubt about it uh, when you look at what they were able to put together overall. And then um, uh, they add uh, two guys who won't be on scholarship and special teams, Josh Leff and, and uh, Isaac Pearson out of the transfer portal as well. So there it is. That is your breakdown. The transfer class for SMU is all done. And uh, at least as far as I know. So um, SMU has uh, all the pieces to make a run. As we get into the summer, we'll kind of reassess how the Mustangs are going to fare against their 2023 schedule. But look, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, uh, breaking it all down. That is uh, 25 transfers to run through uh, that SMU is, is going to have on scholarship now. So um, quite the work done by SMU's entire staff in the transfer portal, getting one of the top transfer classes in the entire country. So there's your breakdown. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Please hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel and also check out ontheponyexpress.com. We're back to an all-time high of subscribers on the site. Just $30 gets you six months of all the scoop that you need. Official visits being set right now. Who's going to commit? Who's next in the 2024 class? Make sure you're on board. So appreciate you guys listening to this edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Ambody. We'll catch you later this week with another edition. Have a good one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.